Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Deal with 
All right, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me here this morning on Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host, Nube Brown at KPOO San Francisco 89.5. We are going to get started with part five of my conversation with Joko Hashima Jinsai about the the book Indictment of the State and its Prison Industrial Slave Complex that he wrote with the concept of uh, from Abdul Olubala Shakur. And we are going to um, be listening to Joko Hishima Jinsai talk about restitution through the lens of this indictment. So uh, stay with us. And we may be hearing uh, from uh, hearing other voices um, uh, from some people um, on the inside. Okay, again, stay with us. Here we go. All right. I am realizing that the preamble to the indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex by Joka Hashima Jinsai with the concept by Abdul Olubala Shakur really sets the tone for this indictment. And I feel like it needs to be heard every week. So um, I hope it doesn't start to feel too just repetitious, but I also feel for myself anyway um, I learn by hearing things over and over again, and I hear it a little bit differently, and I learn something new. So I have taken on the idea that reading the preamble um, as a setup every month uh, to talking about this indictment is important. So here we go. Uh, we're going to hear it again for uh, probably just the second time, but you will continue to hear it as the weeks unfold. The U.S. Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, Title 18, Part 1, Chapter 96, was initially enacted by Congress chiefly to combat the influence of organized criminal enterprises on the political, judicial, and financial mechanisms of power in the U.S. The primary instrument used by those vested with the responsibility to prosecute such cases on behalf of the people is the indictment. However, What do we do when the institutions responsible for upholding and in some instances making the law are the chief architects of its habitual violation? What do we, the people, do in an alleged, quote, democracy when the financial gain and political power of those who are vested with the responsibility of upholding the law is inextricably linked to maximizing the number of criminal offenders under their control? when their job security, livelihood, political, and social influence is dependent on high crime and incarceration rates, when they are beholden to corporate interests in exchange for kickbacks and gratuities to ensure profits are met on the backs of a constant flow of people being imprisoned. This is the circumstance we as a society are faced with concerning the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, small r, rehabilitation, associated agencies and state administrators, The office of the Attorney General, in the normal course of affairs, would be the body vested with the the responsibility of preparing, presenting, and prosecuting such an indictment. However, the Attorney General is the chief counsel for CDC small r and related officials, thus creating a conflict of interest which not only precludes them from objectively and competently pursuing such an indictment, but the merits of the indictment itself, historically speaking, tend to support their complicity in this criminal enterprise. As such, it falls to us, as servants of the people, to prepare this indictment on the people's behalf. The transformation of the U.S. prison system into the modern prison industrial slave complex, PISC, and the California's leading role in that process, is a study in the corrupting influence of money and political power on the very mechanisms of public safety. 
Though this particular indictment is focused on the California system, i.e., CDC small r, it is our contention that this criminal enterprise is endemic of the modern PISC and as such exists in every U.S. prison system. Therefore, this indictment can serve as a blueprint for the people to employ nationally. Title 18, S. 1961, or 1961, defines racketeering activity, quote, racketeering activity, in part as, quote, any act or threat involving murder, kidnapping, robbery, bribery, extortion, dealing in controlled substances, or any act which is indictable under any provision of Title 18, unquote. These indictable acts include offenses relating to everything from embezzlement to mail fraud, from slavery to the exploitation of children, and CDC small r has presided over or facilitated all of these acts, and much, much more. The underlying basis of the following is founded on a readily observable and fairly predictable premise. The industrialization of human bondage in capitalist America corrupted the instruments of, quote, criminal justice from the very outset. The biggest industry in the state of California is not agricultural, tourism, the technology of Silicon Valley, or the movie industry in Hollywood. No, it's prisons. Just as slave plantations produced sugar and cotton to maintain agricultural and textile industries, prisons produced social control for political elites and corporate interests to continue the orderly extraction of labor's surplus value profit, contain nationally oppressed racial and ethnic groups, and maintain the private appropriation of the social product, tax dollar-funded contracts. Prisons have been industrialized to the point where these interests have manufactured a new base of political support for this scheme, the labor aristocracy of prison guards. Prison guard unions, like the California Correctional Peace Officers Association, CCPOA, wield a disproportionate amount of political influence in social life, all in support of the same political and corporate interests responsible for their relatively privileged position in the labor market. The contemporary criminal justice system in America is one of the biggest conflicts of interest in his U.S. history. The system you vested with the responsibility to ensure your public safety has their financial gain tied directly to the number of people, quote, breaking the law, that they can hunt, catch, try, convict, sentence, and imprison. Rehabilitation and public safety are not in their economic interests. Criminalization and underdevelopment is. This is a fairly simple equation. Rehabilitation and social empowerment of offenders cannot be genuinely pursued because this would reduce the number of criminal offenders and parole violators, which would in turn decrease the need for so many police, lawyers, judges, deputies, jails, guards, prisons, and companies to support and supply them all, and most important of all, the need for your tax dollars to line their pockets. Public safety thus takes a backseat to personal gain. At the behest of the CCPOA lobbyists to bolster their bids for re-election, legislators pass more laws and even stiffer penalties to broaden the net and deepen the pit for those who run afoul of the quote, of quote, the law to be cast into. Judges and lawyers continue continue to reinterpret the law to curtail constitutional protections, civil liberties, and access to the courts. Law enforcement sensationalized 
their, quote, wars on this or that type of crime to ensure you vote to pass bills and bond measures guaranteeing tougher laws, more militarized equipment, more police, and more guards to inflate their already inflated budgets and salaries. District attorneys maximize Kate's loads to ensure larger budgets and higher billings, while public defenders are forced to carry 25 cases at a time on shoestring budgets, reversing the burden of proof and effectively guaranteeing the conviction of low-income, overwhelmingly non-white offenders. Jails and prisons are overcrowded, underserved breeding grounds of racial violence, economic desperation, and social despair. All of this while the guards' unions lobbies for more prisons, harsher laws, more draconian judges and DAs, better salaries and benefits, and finally, to convince you all that prisoners are irredeemable animals worthy of the perdition the state has created. Microsoft, Mead, Global Telling, Frito-Lay, Papermate, Walkenhorst, Mental Health Systems, Inc., Gregory Packaging Incorporated, Westcare, BIC, Waldenhouse, and hundreds of other corporations make hundreds of millions a year off of men, women, and children being locked up in California, a growth industry more lucrative than oil and more corrupt than Chicago city government during prohibition. Pursuing an indictment against individual offenders over the length and breadth of CDC small R's history would not only be far too voluminous, but an act of futility, as it is the system itself which is corrupted. In case after case of proven criminal misconduct by CDC small R officials and staff, individual offenders have pointed to their conduct as reflective of the department's policies, quote, I was following my training, or I was doing my job has been repeatedly put forward as a cognizable defense to everything from facilitating rape to acts of murder in the furtherance of an illegal gambling enterprise. This standard excuse serves to prove no matter who is standing in the warden's shoes, sitting in the IGI ISU office, presiding over juvenile corrections, or sitting in the secretary of CDC small R's chair, these corrupt practices are followed as a matter of, quote, policy. This is the very definition of a racketeering enterprise, Action with, quote, intent to otherwise promote, manage, establish, carry on, or facilitate promotion, management, establishment, or carrying on of any unlawful activity, unquote. It must be understood this is not a simple matter of poor correctional culture. This is a deliberate, well-thought-out racket presided over by law enforcement, correctional, and public uh, political officials with billions of dollars in play and virtually no public oversight. In a culture that touts greed as a virtue, corruption under these conditions was a virtual certainty. If there is ever to be any confidence in the integrity of the mechanisms of government and public safety, the system itself must be indicted, its structural corruption exposed, and alternative forms of social organization explored as a surer means of our collective security. Joka Hashima Jinsai. All right, I'm also going to read the last paragraph of the preamble to get the conversation going with Joka Hashima Jinsai um, talking about institutional restitution. So if there is ever to be any confidence in the integrity of the mechanisms of governance and public safety, the system itself must be indicted. It's structural corruption exposed and alternative forms of social organization explored as a surer means of collective security. 
just an amazingly powerful statement, you know, in four sentences. So, and agreed, Hashima, <laughs> agreed. And with that in mind, we want to re-emerge the campaign for restitution. Institutional restitution. So will you please... Um, explain what restitution is especially in in through your perspective and in this context of having been imprisoned for 32 years of being incarcerated of being enslaved because of the way that we've been conditioned and told by CDC small r what restitution is i would love for you to explain it well first of all the, the concept of institution restitution begins with definitely solitary confinement and its political application. Um, what I believe the vast majority of people still probably don't know is California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation maintain a domestic torture program where they house living conscious through African prisoners and solitary confinement based solely on their political ideas. Nothing else for decades under conditions derived from Skinnerian offering conditioning and learned helplessness where they actually sought to break your mind and compel you to be an informant. And it, it was a process called you be free. they they went to war. They they had what they call the uh uh, uh CSR, all right, uh, I mean CCR. That's basically their form of the board where they determine whether or not they're gonna release you after a six month period. Well, every time you go to that board, they just tell you flat out. The only way you're getting out of it is either you're going to grow, you're going to debrief, or you're going to die. The vast majority of us have life sentences, so grow wasn't the option. Debriefing is being an informant. That is not an option. When any principal who has a revolutionary national, will never book an informant. That will never happen. And the third option was death. So in our minds, when we proceeded under this, this, this premise, that we were going to be here to die. And so we sought to give everything we could to the people before we left this world and demonstrate by our resistance how you are supposed to approach fascism. You approach fascism from a position of resistance, unapologetic, unrestricted, unrestrained resistance. You never stop. You never sweat. You never submit. You never give in. Uh, and that's how we function. Ultimately, that culminated in uh, a political campaign, hunger strike, along with class action lawsuit, that resulted in social cooperation actually moving social consciousness to a degree that those forces who were responsible for residing over our, our collective torture for decades were forced to move off that position. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. It was perhaps one of the most salient demonstrations of people power. Where if you have enough voices, you gotta understand something. Every enemy, no matter how powerful that enemy is, has a point of weakness. That weak point, they strike them in that point, it will cause disproportionate damage. This beast that we live under, which is US fascism, has a weak point. A center of gravity is public opinion. Right, yes. If you can create adverse public opinion, 
sufficient to cause those who govern this society to fear for their current position and the continuation of their particular brand of oppression. If you can create a, a, a trajectory where enough people are moving toward actually how to think, and they begin to ask critical questions, questions that which state has no answer. Questions where the only answer is we're doing it because we the oppressors we're trying to uh, maintain our, our power on the backs and blood of you dumbass. You know, <laughs> right. and, and they can't. That's the only answer they have to that question. Absolutely. To conclude that they will reform. Reform is death to revolution. Right. So whenever they see a real revolutionary potential, the re- reflexive reactionary response of the fascist system is let's reform it. And so they came up with the five-year enacted review. That was the first. That was the first thing. That didn't work. We didn't stop on strike. Right. Social consciousness continued to progress. Uh, um, public opinion began to broaden more and more and more. Then you have politicians that took the position of, that we didn't even know this was happening in order to maintain their own uh, 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 political safeguard with their constituents. Right. So that... The, the, the amazing thing about uh, a fascist system, especially a a modern and advanced fascist system like the U.S., probably most, the most advanced fascist system in civilization. In case you missed it, he said, probably the most advanced fascist system in human civilization. And the thing of it is, the crap rolls downhill. So when you got people that's on the top tier of governance or political power or economic power or economic influence being placed in a position where they have the people who they are exploiting questioning their governance, questioning the foundations of their power and their social policies. What's going to happen is those that that's below them, they're going to change their position. They're going to move off that position. And that's what happened in the California Party Gresham Representation. They had to move off that position. They had to abandon the domestic torture program. We broke their back. Okay, jumping in one more time, I think the more you listen to Hashima, you will be able to pull out some of the things that he is saying. But right now, I know some of his inflections can be maybe a little difficult to hear or to understand. You hear it, but you're not able to uh, decipher it. And he was basically saying that CDC Smaller had to abandon their domestic torture program. What a lot of people don't know is in those decades, they admitted, uh, Scott Kearney, former Secretary of the California Park Corrections, in a 2020 interview, open Winfrey, admitted, hey man, we did it wrong. We should have had these guys housed in solitary confinement for decades. We shouldn't have did it. It, it. it was bad, it was wrong, it was morally repugnant, et cetera, et cetera. Yet, at no time has restitution been made to those of us who were placed here solely based on our political ideas. And I want, I have to be clear on this test. It's only one class of prisoners this was done to. That's New Africa. Nobody else has done like this. Nobody else. They intentionally understand something. The nature of fascism is to criminalize legitimate, resistant political discourse. Discourse that seeks to expose the fascist nature of society, they will criminalize it. And the way they criminalize it, they'll lump you in with a gang of dudes that, by their definition, uh, their social definition, are criminals. 
And so you can't tell the difference between a revolutionary and thug. And that's not by chance and happenstance. Mm-hmm. That's by design. Our actions have proven us a singular entity. It is proven that we're not from We're not those. We did the opposite of them. We're the absolute opposite of them. We are those who seek to speak for the loving class. We are those who seek to move civilization away from a profit-driven, I mean, individualistic outlook to a collective, us and we, holistic outlook, one in which our social cooperation equates to an easier life for everybody. They want you to believe that you can only attain a good life if you compete with one another, that you're fighting and squabbling over the most basic necessities of life and those who are the strongest or the smartest or the best those most well compensated that is a hierarchical authoritarian psychology but it's been imposed on the mass of society and how it is I hear people say oh man that's just how it is right, right. exactly you know, exactly you know, just like that no it ain't just like that it's just like that because you accept that right. because you actively are participating in your own oppression and for those like you that resist that, they criminalize you. Exactly. And I'll take it a step further. That criminalization has a specific political mode, of course, very similar to what Romans used to use, uh, if on political execution, Romans used to use crucifixion. They held up for decades, validated African prisoners, as this is what's going to happen to you if you pick up the George Jackson book. Right, right. This is what's going to happen to you if you seek to educate yourself politically, ideologically, or sociologically. This is what's going to happen to you if you seek to learn about your new African culture. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to put your ass in the hole forever. And one of the first things we noted when we was finally released from solitary confinement. In my case, after 20 years, and some other comrades' case, 32 and a half years, another comrades' case over 40 years, we found out it worked. It was effective. Right. I will never forget this. So the youngster came up to me and Abdul's door. We was in uh, 117 and asked us for a book. But he asked that question with one caveat. Man, I don't want no knowledge. Can I get a book? But I don't want no knowledge. Oh. Uh, you got an urban novel or, or, or you know, Donald Vaughn? Oh, my God. Ooh. That has haunted me from that day to this day. I said, no, nah, brother, we ain't got a voice like that. All, everything we got is, it's not the face, brother. All we got is literature. We don't got nothing else. And mind you, we have well over 150 books in our city. Easy. We got a library easy in your cell right here. But ain't, there ain't one novel. There's it's not one novel. And, and, and his question was reflective of the mentality of majority. That wasn't a minority response, it's a majority response. Right. And it, it derives from this fear that if you educate yourself about the relationship between your development and the productive system, if you educate yourself about the history of your own oppression, if you educate yourself, yourself about yourself, you can find yourself in a home for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Oh my God, that just... This is stunning. So, oh, wow. I can see why it haunted so you. The, the process of institutional restitution emerged from that contradiction. It was that contradiction which led to us understanding once we released from solitary confinement 
we found out that somehow we had a, new, we had a whole new contradiction, but somehow we weren't eligible for parole because they had us in the hole all them years, and there are no programs in the hole. There are no education in the hole. Ain't no GEDs in the hole. Ain't no uh, vocational programs in the hole. Everything you need to make yourself eligible for eligible for parole is wholly denied you. You get nothing. You just sit and sell a rock. That's it. All right, we are going to take a quick musical break here just to let some of that uh, sink in. It's very, very powerful uh, perspective and expression of this experience of uh, being um, persecuted as a revolutionary new African freedom fighters and what it's doing to our youth. This is Guiltiness by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Oh! 
All right, if you are just joining us, this is Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host, Nubay Brown, here at KPOO San Francisco 89.5. We are in a continued discussion with Joka Hashima Jinsai, the author of The Indictment of the State and Its Prison Industrial Slave Complex, concept by Abdul Olubala Shakur. And we have been talking about institutional restitution uh, through the lens of those new Africans that have been persecuted for their um, educating of themselves on a socio-political and spiritual uh, level. So um, here we go with our continued conversation. So you have taken a position, California Department of Correction and Rehabilitation, that you will remove 55% of every dollar sent to a prisoner who owes restitution to make the victim of a crime whole, even though the victims don't get a dime of that money. Right. The money all goes to California Department of Corrections, Rehabilitation, and, 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 and local law enforcement. The victim don't get nothing. No. Anyway, uh, your position, your motive force behind it is restitution. Yet here it is, you have committed one of the most heinous crimes against a particular class of African prisoners over the course of decades. That's genocide. And you have made no effort, no effort at recompense, no effort at restitution. Well, restitution now, it's the cost of institutional restitution is this thing is one parole, clemency, or pardon is predicated upon one not being a threat to public safety. I want to make this real clear. If you are a drafting political prisoner in the state of California, you pose zero threat to public safety. And I'll tell you why. We have an old saying. What you do while you're in prison is going to determine what you do while you're out of prison. Look at our work product. We are the ones who develop... This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Call, sir, economic initiative. We are the ones who develop the emergency response network. We are the ones who develop the community action program. We're the ones who develop the sustainable agricultural community. We're the ones who develop the institutional restitution campaign. We're the ones that develop the progressive prisoner rights movement. We're the ones that develop the George Jackson University. I go on and on and on and on and on. I said that to say our work product demonstrates what we have done while under the most abject conditions of oppression. What you think we're going to do when we get to the street? We Come have a single motor force yeah. to serve the people. Understand something. When we had no hope of ever getting out of a torture unit, what did we do? We developed AIM. We developed the George Jackson University. We developed the WL Nona Mentorship Program. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Well, the book that we we're talking that. about right now, the indictment. That <laughs> the indictment, exactly. We did that when we thought we were going to die in a concrete box. Can we what just think we going to do when we get to the street? Absolutely, but also, and I would love to still put this in um, in the context of Black August. You're also part of developing the Black August Organizing Committee. Yes, for the very uh, tenants that you're talking about that kept you inside. Do you want to just a, a little bit about that? The Black Office Organized Committee was developed by our collective. We created Black Office more than 
back in 1978, came to fruition in 1979. Black Office Organized Committee is the only official, official entity for development of Black Office Memorial Black Office Resistance. That's our creation. We created that while we was under conditions of absolute repression. I said all that to say this. The reason why institutional restitution is so absolutely important harkens back to why you want certain people in your community. Understand something. Those, the institutional restitution class of prisoners are those brothers and sisters you want in your community because their entire purpose for life is improving the social conditions that we live under to making life better for our people. To ensuring that the contradictions that are at the heart of our national oppression are confronted, solutions are developed, implemented, changed. We hear us use the word revolution. People automatically get this idea and image in their head of our struggle. That is the most rudimentary, insignificant part of revolution. If you even get to that point, revolution is a war for the minds for the masses. It is change. That's all it means. Change. Moving away from one form of life to a more progressive and better form of life. Right now, we have to figure out, find find some way to find a job, uh, develop some type of job skills. People going to turn around and pay us for it exchange, in exchange value for our labor. All right? And hope like hell that's enough money that we can cover the debt that we forced into under a system that is predicated upon debt and enough money to pay for our children getting a proper education and us being able to feed and clothe. Let me tell you something. If we all work together, feed, educate, clothe, develop ourselves a whole lot better than the system of competition ever could. We could have a quality of life which far surpasses anything you know in your hood right now today if we just work together. If we just work together. Instead, we have this notion in our heads that this system has structured these concrete barriers to a new form of life. And it's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's not true. It's patently false. And I know this to be true because there was a time in life when we moved toward that. I live, I'm old enough, and some of y'all who hear my voice may be old enough to remember when we had a free breakfast program, we had a free clothes program, where everybody had a garden in their backyard. We didn't. We rarely went to the grocery store for food and vegetables because everybody had it. We used to trade and barter right, right. A, amongst our neighbors right across the street. If I'm if I'm growing collard greens and mustard greens and radishes back here, and I know Miss Mabel over there got peppers, I'm gonna give her a bushel of these greens for some peppers. And that's how we did it. And it cost us a dime. Right. It cost us nothing. All it cost us was a little bit of time. Working together a little bit of time. We all ate good. We ate good. And we didn't have to go to nobody's grocery store to get it. It was good, wholesome food. It was food that came that we grew ourselves. Organic. Even before organic was a thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm saying all this yeah. to say the institutional restitution class, the class of brothers, you want in your community. These is the brothers that's going to ensure that your sons and your daughters have an outlet other than the, the, the local set or, 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 or slanging and banging on the call. We have an alternative there. That don't have to be our fate. 
the system has structured our communities the way intentionally. That's purposeful. That's there to ensure that there's an open valve of the school, the poverty, and prison pipeline that's going to move your babies from social life into a prison cell quicker than cut and bleed. We stand in opposition to that. We stand in opposition to that not with words, actions, and deeds. With blueprints, we know full well will work. We just need to get to the field to implement. That's it. Institutional restitution calls for our communities to demand world pardon and clemency. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Those are the institutional restitution class. They had the power to let they know full will when you know no public safety. Absolutely. And also so yeah, because as soon as the people know, that's the other thing, right? They keep they're trying to keep us from knowing. So this is what we are gonna do here. Exactly. Knowing that you even exist. And under which conditions that you exist. So we are going to. Um, <clears throat> so with that in mind, um, I would love for us to uh, say what it is that we want the people to do. Because one of the things that I do uh, that I try to do out here is just tell people like, look, you are Governor Newsom's boss. You own him. He's supposed to do your bidding. And so when you don't call him. And make his life uncomfortable. He's just going to do whatever he wants. I was going to say something else. But um, he's just going to do whatever he wants. For instance. That's just him, right? But it is under his watch that all of you are being denied us. Right? We are, you, you are being, we as the community, the people are being denied all of you. And so we should be using our voices and calling him on the daily, blowing up his phone and saying, we want pardon, clemency, or parole. Do we also want to name the people? Yeah, the, the institutional restitution campaign has a list of institutional restitution class. And it, you can go to change.org and type me in restitution now. Sign a petition. Call the governor. Tell the governor you want those members of the institution, of the restitution Excuse the restitution class released immediately. There's no understand. I'm just gonna hit y'all with one statistic. Please. First of all, know this: there is no member of the institution restitution class that's not over fifty. Mm-hmm. All of us are fifty year old. Two. There's no member of the institution restitution class that has not been in prison twenty years or more. Three. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, those who are fifty years or older, who are or who have served twenty years or more of continuous confinement, have a recidivism rate of point zero. One five percent. That is a fraction of one percent. Yeah. Meaning, guys like us do not come back to prison. Right. Second, if you're talking about the institutional restitution class, you also talking about strategic release class. Our recidivism rate is zero, and I say that because of our motive force. We live, serve people. That's that's every. That's entirely everything. everything we want to do. Yeah, yeah. We have no other motivation in this life. That's it. Nothing else. That's all we do in these cells all day, every day, and have done so for decades. Right. Even when we never thought we was going to get out. Huh. What I'm saying now is we have an opportunity to move social life in our communities to a place where we do not have to live like this. There's a better way. Not saying we got all the answers. 
not saying we like to, you know, uh, 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 you know, universal panache for everything that ails you. Right. That. And that success isn't going to happen overnight. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's not going to happen yeah. Because these systems, these systems of oppression exist right now. They didn't come into existence overnight. So they ain't going to be destroyed overnight. Right. They ain't going to be replaced overnight. But what I will say is this. We have blueprints that people do not know about. And if we had an opportunity to implement them in your community, I guarantee you social conditions in your community will change for the better. Our people's conditions, our people's attitudes are reflective of their conditions. Yeah. If you have better conditions, I guarantee the way you look at life is going to change for the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. What we saying is, just give us that change. Just give us an opportunity to do what, and this is what we do. When I say this is what we do, this is what we do. Right. We know what we do. And we do. Right. And we need that. We need leadership. We do need some leadership. We do need some guidance. And we know that that has been systematically removed from us as well. I mean, they've, yeah, they've to keep yeah. our youth away from our elders, you know, to exactly. keep them away from these revolutionaries and scaring as, them. As jarring as, as shocking to the times that that story was, prison is a socially hostile microcosm of society itself. Right. When that little young brother came to my door and said what he said, that's just a reflection of what's going on out there in the community. Absolutely. Right. Oh, yeah, we see it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When I look outside my cell door, I walk on the yard, and I listen to these conversations. I'm here where these young brothers are at, psychologically, culturally, or where they want to go, psychologically, culturally. I have to say to myself, I'm looking at what's going on in my neighborhood. Yes. And it's while here with me, okay, yeah, they've been to here. They might even change certain aspects of their daily life. But there's no way I can change. We can alter this flood in here. Remember, prison is a socially hostile microcosm of its outside production. These contradictions, their ideology, their origin within the community, not in prison. They have to change where they begin. In the community. Right. There's only so much I can do for myself. So much I do can do for myself. So much Ikuma can do for myself. Only so much Bachi can do for myself. Only so much any of these comrades or part of the institution or institution class can do for myself. Only so much I make you this promise and I make this promise on my life. Let me get to the community. Let me get out here. I guarantee you your life is going to be a whole lot better than it is today. Because I'm going to give mine to make certain that I want to leave it there. The task now is for us to start to be a part of starting that process because now it's on us out here. Because like you say, there's only so much you can do in there. This is our solidarity with you, right? This is why we are doing this work. This is about educating ourselves and acting on what we are learning. And there are things that we can do right now. Make those phone calls. That's the first thing that we can do is get on with the restitution institutional restitution campaign. We are tasked to sign the petition. It's on change.org. Restitution now. Yes. Go to the Amend the 13th. I want people to go to the amendthe13th.org site because you can also read about strategic release there. Make the calls to the governor. We want parole, pardon, or clemency. Parole, pardon, or clemency. We'll take any of those. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. As long as they mean release. 
And now, is there any last thing that you would like to say, Hashima, uh, for us that you want us to do? Or just some last words? The, the, the one thing I would like to leave everybody with is don't underestimate the power of people. Don't underestimate your power. You are the single most powerful force in human civilization. The people. I guarantee you, if you move together, so appreciate you and 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 love you and we are going to do what we can to help get you home love y'all so much more <laughs> all right have a beautiful rest of your day brother peace peace and power perhaps it is better understood why black august is 365 days a year for these guys so I want to name some of the uh, programs, organizations uh, that these guys have created over all of this time that they have been inside. Again, I do not have them all. The Closed Circuit Economic System, the Sustainable Agriculture Commune, Emergency Response, African American Emergency Response Network, Institutional Restitution Campaign, Strategic Release Campaign, Youth Community Action Program, the Progressive Prisoners Human Rights um, Movement, and the George Jackson University. There are many others, and um, again, you can read a lot of their work if you just type in Joga Hashima Jensai, Michael Durow, Abdul Ulubala Shakur, Mutope Duguma, Paul Red who is now passed on to the ancestors. Um, I'm leaving some people out, but Lewis Powell. Um, you know, these are just some of the writers, uh, just so you know. And you can find them at www.prisons.org and www.sfbayview.com. Both of those publications uh publish the works of the prisoners inside, and most specifically, our new African freedom fighters inside. Oh, Setawa Nantambu Jama'a is one of our most prolific writers, so sometimes the most obvious will be escaping me. So please take the time to continue to educate yourself. We are reading The Indictment of the State and Its Prison Industrial Slave Complex, by Joka Hashima Jinsai, the concept by Abdul Olubala Shakur. We are in conversation with Hashima. He is uh, committing his time because uh, to us uh, to come here every week and um, share with us his insights as we read through this indictment. Again, that is just a part of what they do, so we do not take that for granted. This is incredibly uh, precious and vital time and space that he is giving to us. But as you've heard, this is how they roll. This is how they live, to be servants of the people and to continually keep their hearts, minds, spirits uh, focused on the people. And let's do what we can to get 
to help get them free so they can be here amongst us on the outside and be able to even have more power with their work. So call the governor, 415, sorry, 916-445-2841 and say that you want these elder hunger strikers, these new Africans, to be pardoned, paroled, or given clemency and returned home immediately. Um, And also, again, please continue to educate yourself. Oh, the thing that I've, sorry, I forgot to say is the indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex can be gotten uh, by going to amazon.com. It is published there. Lastly, uh, Prison Focus Radio is a project of California Prison Focus. Again, you can uh, get the archives there and find out what it is they're doing at www.prisons.org. Get ready for Work Week with Steve Seltzer. We are going to go out with Down Presser Man by Peter Tosh, another suggestion by Joka Hashima Jinsai. <laughs>
Left my 